Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cardboard Herald, and today we are doing a casual Friday list of epic proportions, or hopefully it is able to contain epic proportions. I'm joined by Jennifer Graham Mack of Keymaster Games, and Jennifer, you recently had some beef with a tweet that I put online about inserts. I was complaining right. about inserts, and it was specifically about how it was refreshing that Dune Imperium was just a bunch of tubs, and it wasn't some overproduced mess. You just had this super eloquent tweet about, like, a bunch of boxes, about four boxes. Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, I, I'm a nerd. I like everything to have a place and where everything goes. But I have noticed that in some games, especially some collector's editions recently, there have been some inserts that are so sculpted and produced that sometimes I can't even figure out how they go. Now, I could see why you would take umbrage with this because... <laughs> Keymaster, I mean, you guys have Parks, and I think Parks is one end of the spectrum, right? That is the sort of insert where everything beautifully fits together, and it's almost like every time you're opening it, it's a gift, it's a wonder. Part of playing the game is just sitting in awe of the, the package design on that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I just like sit at my desk and I open the box and I take the things out and then I put them back in. And then the expansion kind of does the same thing. You're like, oh, they look at the vacuum ceiling on the, like everything has a place and it's intuitive. That's mm -hmm. the gold standard here. And so we ended up talking a little bit more about this uh, in relation to some other things that we were doing. And we were talking about what actually makes for a good insert. And mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I like doing lists. The board game world likes doing lists. Listicles get clicks. Hey, why not exploit this conversation into a list that we could have together? Absolutely. And this is like super like people pump out lists and listicles all the time. Um, and I'm I'm in awe. Like this is this is a, uh, like a kind of a first for me. I haven't really done this before. I'm I'm super like people that do top ten games or top one hundred games. The, the only time I've really ever done this with considerable thought before this, um, that's just my, this is, it's, that's how you know it's going to be super, this is going to be a super sophisticated conversation about <laughs> exactly. inserts, um, is, is with movies, which I'm super passionate about and love. Um, so me and another team, team member from Keymaster did a, a top movies list and that was of 2020. It was for the decade thing. This was before, um, you know. 2020 got rough uh, <laughs> when, we were, when we were still excited about the decade changing. Um, and uh, I was like, wow, this takes a lot of effort. So like this, I'm just saying like, I'm really excited to talk because I was like, I've thought I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, first off audience, if you want to see a top 10, 20, 100 movie list that Jennifer and I can just bang out together and go head to head on, Hey, cardboard Herald is going to do whatever you want, but Getting to inserts, we have so many things that can be taken into consideration when it comes to what mm -hmm. makes a good insert. And of mm -hmm. course, as an upfront, 
we haven't played every game out there. There's inevitably going to be like 16 inserts that people come up with that are like, well, haven't you seen this? Haven't you seen this? What about this? What about this? Yeah, please share. I want to hear. I want to hear those 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 comments. <laughs> Before we dive in, did you have any thoughts about like particular challenges you had in coming up with your list or did it just kind of come together for you? Uh there there were um there were <laughs> uh there were some one one was honestly the the first was the hill that you already talked about was this idea that like wow there are so many games that i haven't experienced yet um so like this is really has to be inside of the context of what i've experienced and yes i've played a lot of games but I, I was definitely feeling like I'm sure there's so many things out there that I've just never even like laid my eyes laid eyes on, uh, like ra raccoon type. Uh, oh, spoiler, not no spoilers. Blah blah blah. Some X game that we're going to talk about <laughs> soon. Hopefully, yeah. really soon, so it's not a deep spoiler. Uh, like some games on your list <laughs> that I have not touched, um, uh, and. So I'm excited to hear you talk about them because like I've have I've never like really interacted with those games before. Um so so that was that was one and then really thinking about like uh uh how we're approaching uh like the metric, like creating some sort of metric. I don't know if, what were you, like, did you have some sort of metric that you you came up with in your head for when you were making the list? I'm all jazz over here. I just kind of <laughs> go with instinct. And if you ask me tomorrow, it could completely change. But uh, for the most part, it's just based off of instinct of what makes me happy. Uh, and, you know, like it's not apples to apples. I mean, some things uh, frustrate me in some games, but for whatever reason, it doesn't frustrate me as much in another game. Sometimes I like meticulously crafted things where everything can be put into a perfect place. And sometimes I want more loose freedom in order to kind of do my own setup. Uh, and a lot of that is dependent on how the game actually works, the components involved and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it comes down to when I open a box and I go, wow, this is, this is awesome. This does what I need it to do. If it does it better than other games, then it's higher on the list. And uh, we should also say that for, for fairness uh, in this list, we are excluding parks. It is the honorable mention that is definitely, probably, most likely the one that would top both of our lists, uh, if not certainly being included in them. But uh, because, you know, we've already talked about it a bunch and Keymaster is the publisher of parks, we're not going to include it here. So this is the top 10 that we came up with that are not parks. But that, that is, but that is um, sort of like that usability. I'll say like, I, I did try to approach it from, from some of those key, key things from parks. So uh, when I say key things of one, you already, you mentioned this, want to take it out of the box. It makes you want to take something out of the box and actually uh, use the thing. And then the ease of use, like those are, those are two really important things uh, we think about when we're trying to, construct the physical experience of a game. Mm -hmm. um, and like that's top down and it does include inserts. Uh, so I tried to, th that's where the, those were some of the parameters that, that maybe be kind of apparent or might surprise based on what the list is. <laughs> now that we've taken care of my light issues, 
Jennifer, why don't you take us away with your number five on your list? All right. Uh, my number five on my list is Dice Throne Season 2. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these aren't, I won't say that these are like in, um, like definitive order. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I would put, yeah, yeah. This uh, is not like a hard and fast, like the number one is like solidly my number one, because that would be like really, really, really hard. It's (laughs) not going to be written on your grave. Right. I'm not, not, that's not a hill I'm, I'm dying on. Uh, Dice Throne season two, uh, what they did and they ended up going back and they liked it so much. They went back and repackaged season one to do the same thing because they basically were like, yeah, this is a way better experience than, (laughs) than what original season one is. Um, and it was the right decision. I think it's the right decision. I actually didn't get the repackaged season one. And I was like, I kind of wish I got the repackaged season one. So each character, um, Dice Throne, if you don't know, is um, a dueling game, a dice dueling game, a Yahtzee style with uh, asymmetric characters that um, have really interesting abilities and um, abilities that you can upgrade along the way. And it's just a it's just a dueling game. You're just trying to knock out your opponent. You can play it at more than two players, but it is an excellent two player experience. So it definitely has uh, high marks in my household. Um, and each character's what what I like, like the high this high level, this is that usability thing, is that your personal stuff comes in a package. So you have smaller boxes, right? Um, which they which they did so that they could sort of uh, improve the 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 um, uh, you know like reduce the barrier um, to the accessibility of the game instead of having to buy into a, a group of six characters. You could just be like, hey, if you just want two, here's this smaller package that you can grab and just do it one versus one, a head to head battle. Um, so you open up that box and then there's two trays. Um, and I guess we should just get game trays out of the way now. Just have that quick conversation. Yep, exactly. Right now, right? Exactly. Uh, whether, whether you like it, know it or not, game trays has become, um, a leader in developing inserts. Uh, so it makes it onto the list several times <laughs> in several different places. Um, and I, you know, like it's it's interesting to me that there's no real competitor for them at this point. Um, uh, but so they develop these trays, and and it's just a personal like your personal things, everything you need to play Dice Throne comes in a little package that you just take out of the box, hand to the person, and even from there, like it's snapped, so nothing's ever going to get disheveled. It's got a snap lid, so you can't get you know tossed around or anything like that. And then you unpackage it, and it's like. Even from like the top down, the way you unpack and get into your personal box matches how you would want to set up your gameplay area. It just prepares you right away to play. You don't have to deal with excess components like that. That's a big part of it to me is that by sectoring it out into the the individual boxes uh, or tubs that you don't have to deal with like all of the setup involved in a full player count game or all of the components that are irrelevant to your character, uh, which is a huge boon, you know, like one of the complaints about board games uh, for a lot of people is the time that it takes in order to play. And if you get setup and takedown to be easier and more efficient and less overwhelming, then not only are you more mentally prepared for playing, but you're taking up less time in order to do it. Yeah. And maybe Dice Throne is um, 
uh, already well set up for this because there's no central board. There are no uh, central components that you're having to uh, to manage. You're not like giving somebody like universal control of that thing. Um, and, and so that aids to it. And, and that's sort of like out of the purview of what we're talking about. But it's, it's definitely relevant to say, hey, this was already uniquely positioned to be a great experience. But it's important that uh, Roxley recognized that and leaned into it and like recognize the opportunity to make um, that setup experience so simple because they want their game. Like it's a Yahtzee style game. There's zero reason for uh, that is a dice Throne is a great gateway gateway step above gateway experience for uh, gaming. Um, and it's an awesome game to throw out on the table. It's really accessible for kids. So just like increasing the potential for a game to get on the table because of ease of use in that way um, made it a made it a huge plus for me. Well, my number five, and this is a completely different perspective than yours, is Five Tribes. And the reason why Five Tribes is in this is actually uh, related to another game. When I first started getting into modern tabletop games, I, I played the Catans and I, I played a few other games that were available, but I was blown away by Small World. And Small World was like the first time where I saw everything having a relatively meticulous uh, place within the box or comparatively to other games. And so Days of Wonder made a really big impression on me just from opening up that box and seeing the treasure trove within. You had the removable little tubs that had all the different cardboard tokens for all the different characters. As I played it more, I realized that there were little annoying bits that things didn't just quite fit in or I wish they'd done something differently. But there was like a, a recapitulation of this experience that I had when I got Five Tribes. And it combines two of the aspects that I really like in an insert. One, it has all the different spots for the different like Citadel player pieces and all the different cards. The gins go in a specific area and everything doesn't float around and go crazy. But there is a basin like a an open area to the side as well that is just much more flexible for what have you that can go in there now some people are going to complain about a game that doesn't uh forward think to account for expansions and yes if you are going to get uh the the artisans of nicola or the expansion that looks like paul mccartney is on the front of the box uh, <laughs> then you're going to have additional towers that don't fit alongside the original set of towers that are in there but the the freedom and flexibility of that central basin allows you to get everything successfully into the box and the lid closes, you know, that that's something where I have been able to get it all in there, keep it organized and still have that, that beautiful presentation of when you open it, feeling like it, it was specifically designed for this game in a really smart way. So this one is partly sentimental, but it's also that sentimentality that I kind of judge future board game expansions based on. So I had to have it on the list. Yep. I, uh, I, so I went back and, uh, before this and I, I looked up dates. I wanted to know the dates of all of our, um, our polls. So five tribes is actually the oldest game uh, old <laughs> yeah, year, yeah. at a whopping six years old. Um, it's now in first grade, uh, is the oldest game on our list. Uh, which I thought was uh, really interesting. I, cause I was just curious. I was like, I wonder, you know, like I, I, 
I felt like I was trying to pull back when I thought, like I really thought, and then I looked at my list and I was like, I really haven't gone very far back at all, have I? <laughs> like, well, or, it's, it's or been... you know, is it is it just that that's how much we've really sat down and and as a as an industry, as publishers, as manufacturers, really thought about saying, hey, this need this is a priority and an opportunity um, for us to improve experiences in this hobby and part of part of in that vein make gaming more accessible approachable for other people yeah totally i mean like when i think about board games from my childhood and not just the the classic monopoly and risk and all that kind of stuff but even games like hero quest and dragon strike and everything when my brother and i got done playing those we just jammed everything back into the mm -hmm. box and it was a nightmare every time that we took it out in order to get everything set up in the way that it should be. And that was a huge part of the time commitment and also something that would sometimes discourage us from playing. You sometimes open a box and just look at the mess of components within it. And you're right. Like, you know what? On second thought, let's just play some parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, that's a, making me think about that. I, I'm remembering I had an anniversary edition of Risk, um, and it was the metal, the first metal edition, metal components edition of the game. And in that edition, that was the very first game that I had that had uh, bags in it, cinch bags for your your army, and it was that that velvety uh, finish bags. You know, it's still big big picture they're still relatively cheap right we're just still right, talking right. about this is, but it made me care about the things that were in the box i coveted that game i coveted those pieces uh every time i took them out like i cared about like organizing them and making my army rows and columns you know very neat and and making it look very sophisticated because it felt like a sophisticated experience like that plays a part into that care Right, right. If it feels like a prestigious thing relative to whatever price it is, that's going to make you treat it as a prestigious thing, as something that's worth investing your time in and thinking more about like, well, what else could I do? Like, that's actually a big springboard for a lot of creativity on the gamer side of the hobby is people saying, well, this was a good start, but how can I develop something with my 3D printer or foam core or all these other options yeah. that people do as like crafts at home that are incredible. And I think a lot of that is inspired by the starts that even early games, like uh, a really nice edition of Risk would have kind of given them the, the push out the door on that. Yeah. And, and I want to, you, you brought up something really interesting that I, I, I before we move on uh, with five tribes that I wanted to call out, which was the, this idea or this notion that a game box should be forward thinking uh, for expansions uh, and how, how much that, that idea comes from really a minority of the population. That is, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, like as a publisher, the drop-off rate between who buys games and who buys expansions, no matter how popular the expansion, and I'll say I'm very excited about Nightfall, and Nightfall's been doing really wonderfully for us. Like, it's been really awesome to see people getting Nightfall and loving Nightfall, but the drop-off rate is still substantial. Um, so making a box with an insert that is, like, you open up, and then, like, you've organized all the things, you've got card components, and then there's just emptiness in the box, and you're like, I wonder what that's supposed to be for. 
that's not a good experience for <laughs> for a person to right. feel this this emptiness there. Um, as, as much as like the desire, we have this desire to want things to fit inside of a, you know, a box and be compact. Absolutely, I have that desire, but I'm not sure that's this this specific experience that we want the majority of people to have. Right. And it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, if you mm -hmm. open a game and there's room for an expansion in there, then your your first thought might be like, well, why wasn't the expansion included? You know, if right. you already know what the expansion is and you're right. already accounting for it as part of the overall experience in playing this game, then should that have been part of the base game? Or if you're the type of person who likes the base game and never wants the expansion, it's going to feel like a bunch of wasted space and potentially, you know, that that's wasted shelf space that you have. It's uh, a waste of materials in extending mm -hmm. the box, extending the, the, the actual insert itself, you know. Uh, that, that's additional carbon footprint that's being... Yep put into something that you never are going to see the utility for if you don't buy the expansion. So yep. I, I, I totally uh, understand why some people are like, why doesn't this account for all the future stuff? But uh, I'm with you on this one. So what what's going to be your number four here, Jen? <clears throat> so my number four is going to be number nine. No, it's a play <laughs> on words there. Uh, but uh, number nine is the one of the older, this is where I thought that it was, I was reaching back far. It turns out I wasn't really reaching back that far. Mm -hmm. This is a 2017 game. Um, and number nine is probably the least, uh, assuming game, uh, on my list. Right. Uh, but I was, this was one of those like surprisingly made it onto my list, like totally didn't expect it to. Um, but when I looked at it again, I was like, you know, number nine is an incredibly simple game. Um, and the insert sits in the box. Like, so, so number nine is just a bunch of numbers and it's just a spatial game that you're trying to play. And it accounts for pieces for four total people um, to play inside of a box, but it's basically infinitely expandable. Um, but be because of the nature of the game, the game is just this rule book and these these stacks of numbers, and the insert is just the the um, uh, what a cold press uh, what is that press called uh, fitting uh, you know of the pieces mm -hmm. uh, of each of the numbers into their spots, and there it's thick enough for uh, the all the components for each player for each number to fit nicely and smoothly, so that they're evenly on top and they have finger holes around them. No, it's not the nicest plastic. Um, it, it's a relatively cheap plastic, but this insert is not an insert that I ever want to take out of the box. I think, I guess there's a deck of cards. I think you flip over cards to get to what number you're pulling. Sure, sure. Um, so there's one other thing that, and that should come out, but that's just a deck of cards. You take it out, you put it on the table and you can put it right next to this box. So I realized that this insert doesn't need to come out. The pieces don't need to come out. It's really easy to grab the, grab your, your number as it's flipped over um, and it becomes this super functional, like when, when you were talking about Dune Imperium, I was like, this might be my Dune Imperium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, where, where it's like, just like the most basic thing, but I realized I super appreciate that it can just like, you literally take the lid off the box, put the box in the middle of the table, shuffle cards, put it right next to it and go. Um, and it didn't need anything else. And they just did that in a 
great way. Well, that actually dovetails into my next one, which is a dark horse contender that just changed. I hate to tell you this, but the, the potential spoiler that we had earlier was for Raccoon Tycoon. And Raccoon Tycoon is an honorable mention in here because it's an example of where that expansion comes, where the expansion has the box in order to account for the base game. So now if you're getting the expansion, hey, you have one nice box where everything goes into it. And the Fat Cat expansion just, it is a Fat Cat expansion. It is bananas how much is in there. But it also has room to integrate everything from the base game into it. So you have that one nice consolidated thing. But I've moved it over to honorable mention because I cannot get away with this list without bringing up Haba's Dragon's Breath. This is yes. a, this is a kids game, but I well first off I think it's a great game for kids and adults alike. It's a great game that teaches speculation and you're you're dealing with all these wonderful gems and like these shower curtain rings which are great. But it's the integration of the the insert as functional component in the game that that is so wonderful. There's a central board and that board rests on top of this subdivided almost like hashtag looking insert. You uh, lift up the board and then inside you can organize your components so everything's nice and neat. But then you put the board back down after you've taken things out and it has these reservoirs, I guess, in the in the inside uh, where you are going to shift these uh, tokens to either the tokens that you've collected as part of playing or the tokens that fell as part of the dexterity component of the game. And it's so concise and, and well thought out. And the, the fact that what keeps your things organized on the shelf are also the things that are going to keep you organized in a completely different way as you play mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. such a cool idea and such a like a, a synergy of function and elegance and just everything that I love about tabletop games. And so I'm sorry, Raccoon Tycoon, but Dragon's Breath came in uh, and just, you know, took your number four spot from me. <laughs> um that's such a that's such a great call out because i that that totally reminds and and it's very unassuming you're totally right that the um uh you know you open up that box and it's just there and it's ready to go and they haven't used um the the most lavish of components or anything like that because haba is not trying to uh, uh you know up that that market price right, right? right. like they do a great job of staying in this in this like price bracket and they they just have that on lockdown and they did a great job of making a super dynamic game experience that uh, as adults love yeah yeah <laughs> just as much as kids yeah a game is awesome well is I, I, I i guess we'll shift over to what's on number 3 what you got going on uh so my number 3 is pandemic legacy season 1 Oh, this was almost on my list and I, I, I disqualified it because I was like, well, I, I got rid of pandemic, you know, or, or legacy season one. I didn't hold on to it afterwards. And then it, you know, it's complicated to think about pandemic legacy post playing it as like this shelf hog. And then you're like, it's mm -hmm. this wasted space and everything, but it nearly yeah. was on my list. So I was actually really excited that it was on your list. Yeah. I, 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 you know, this was a, um, uh, I, I think, 
the the breadth. I I'm, I think what I love about the the list is, and maybe the most is the breadth of gaming style, gaming types mm-hmm. um, that exist on the list. Um, and uh, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Legacy games literally cannot function without a really like really fine, finely detailed, um, well thought out box box insert box presentation. Totally. Um, and I think that I, I, I would generally say that every, um, I'm, I'm using pandemic legacy season one because I think, uh, bef- I, I guess before risk legacy, um, which I haven't experienced, like I, I haven't played that one. I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't played that one. Um, so I didn't necessarily want it. So I'm adding it on, on the list as like my first experience that I thought was a well done game. Again, we're not talking about like, um, excessively expensive um, component quality, material quality, um, but it's still fun. Right. It's fun to look in that box and see the yellow tape, which R- Risk Legacy also does. They do mm-hmm. that that tape taping sort of thing as well. And I think they even have taped envelopes in on yeah. their lid or something like that. Or right. Um, so like it's it's fun and engaging to look at and then there's plenty of warning signs but like how you organize boxes and how you you label them um and make it interesting to look at but also functionally allow for game setup mm-hmm. without uh overdoing it uh, i'll say that i'll call out i'll call out sleeping gods and i, I like i don't want to be on this podcast and be like naysay uh <laughs> sleeping gods because i'll just i want to preface this and say i'm we are absolutely having a great time with sleeping gods so right. like ha- asterisk super great time with sleeping gods set up for and it's not exactly a legacy game but it's kind of along those lines right yeah um the setup and the organization that needs to happen when you open sleeping gods is a big miss for me mm. um i i was uh i was a little uh, now that we're in it, it's great, but that moment was uh, was a little bit of a hurdle, mm-hmm. and that is not something that you experience with. Now, the first time you play a legacy game, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a challenge to understand what's going on. Right. Um, but I think they just did an excellent job with uh, managing how things are labeled and how you can go to access things and find things uh, through the rules and like making those the rule book and. Uh, the box compatible and building that system and improving that system along the way. Yeah, exactly. That That's the most interesting thing about it to me. I mean, absolutely. Yes. Uh, the, the ability to keep clandestine items, you know, secret until they're revealed is imperative in the design of the, the insert and the packaging within the game. But as I recall, my two times going through season one and my one time going through season two and, uh, well, I haven't actually opened Legacy Season Zero. It's on the shelf right now, but I'm waiting for all Soon. of all of my pandemic group to be vaccinated in order for us to, to hit that one to the table. But as you play, you develop the organization for the new components that come in and you can repurpose a lot of the tubs and trays and things in order to develop your own system. Mm -hmm. But I never once felt like now that this new element has been introduced, it's out of control. Like we don't have a way of accounting for this. And even if the tub itself isn't holding the contents that were secret within it when we started, it still was part of the process and part of the fun of the game was feeling like 
okay, we've opened this. Now, how are we going to integrate this into all the tools that we have here? How are we going to preserve all of our torn apart cards and trashed items and that kind of stuff? Like, I'm totally with you on here. Uh, It is integral to that experience, and they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your number three? Well, my number three uh, is... A game that I think this is where we could say that some people are going to take umbrage with this, and that's <laughs> Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. So the reason why I think this may be uh, a problematic pick for some reasons is that when I I originally reviewed the game shortly before it came out, and then uh, the discussion that I saw happening on like Reddit the day that it came out was a lot of people saying like, how the hell do we get this all back in the box? And the, the insert looks beautiful. It's one of those ones where it's like, this looks great. And, you know, like everything should have a place. And then suddenly it it doesn't work in an intuitive way. So... I just sat down and was like, okay, I'll just make a quick video how to organize Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion because my group had some experience with it at this point. We'd played through over half of the campaign by the time that the game came out and Mm -hmm. we had developed our system which worked with all the components there. We didn't have any added elements. We just had more time to figure out what is the intent of this insert? There's some mystery involved and and how do we make this work? Uh, that video, uh, I think, is at the moment my second watched video on the Cardboard Herald and it <laughs> took me about 20 minutes to do and was some of the laziest editing that I've ever done. Oh, <laughs> so clearly, a lot of people do not feel that this is an intuitive insert by any means. Um, but to me... It's the initial presentation uh, when you open up the box and just everything uh, as it's originally presented has its wonderful place and it's mysterious and the different characters and the different uh, minis and the things that you're not allowed to look at until later on. It it just presents in such a great way and it's functional once you know how to harness (laughs) the powers of that insert There is a degree of sacrifice that I think a lot of people aren't big fans of. I think if you sleeve your cards, it's not going to work for you. Are we talking about that on this this podcast? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people would be like, this insert sucks, is because if it doesn't account for sleeves, then they don't want to hear about it. But you know what? You're the minority. Here's a a fun fact. I'll say this uh, here. I'll share this, this detail here. On our Nightfall memory, side note, no, sorry. Um, uh, during our nightfall campaign, uh, because we hear about people, pe- one people love parks. They love the the artwork on it, and they they want to protect it. And I totally understand that. And and I'm like, when I say that we are using high quality components, it's with that in mind because we love it too. Always questions about uh, sleeving, mm-hmm. uh, and about uh, it fitting in the the game, which it doesn't. Um, right. <laughs> cards do not fit in the insert to parks or Nightfall, they don't fit. Um, and w- so we took a survey, and of the people that responded, and it was a good sample size, less than 10% of people who responded said that they sleeved or cared about sleeving their cards or would consider sleeving their cards. Less than 10% is not the right reason to make an insert like that. It, that was our audience, and yes, that could totally be different for a different game. 
I, I absolutely can, can concede that 100%. Audience makeups might be different for specific types of games. But in our case, it was not, you know, it was a good uh, reminder to us that sleeving is a hobbyist mentality. It's very much a hobbyist mentality. It's not even like the whole hobby. It's a segment of the hobby. Right, right. Fact. <laughs> but, you know, the, the squeaky wheels, they're, they're the ones out there sometimes talking the loudest. But let, let me put it this way. Um, Lords of Waterdeep is a game that I have that I've played a bajillion times. It's uh, one of my wife and I's favorite games. Uh, and so from the time we originally got it to the time that we have it now, we have played it a ton. And to we've never sleeved it. And I know this is just me. Uh, I do like protecting games, but I like being careful. But actually the weathering on it over the past, what, eight years since it released, maybe nine years since it released, is a big part of the character. From the meeples on them to the cards themselves starting to show a little bit of wear. We're careful with them, but inevitably over time, over sure. 50, 60, 70 plays, then it's going to have some of that. My personal opinion is that if you have gotten a hundred plays out of something and you're like, oh my God, the if I had only sleeved this, I would have been able to get 500 plays out of it. You've kind of gotten your money's worth. I mean, you might at that time maybe get a new, new edition of it. Sometimes sleeves are really expensive on their own. Right. Well, that's that's a good segue back to to Gloomhaven because our this is Jaws of the Lion, but I I'm so curious like do you if you feel like this the insert in Jaws of the Lion is like a direct um like feedback loop with original Gloomhaven where I bought Gloomhaven and I bought a, a fish tack box fish tackle yeah, box exactly I had to. I, I think it is a direct response to criticisms of Gloomhaven, and I think that of the entire game as a whole. Like, Jaws of the Lion is not just Gloomhaven for babies. That's not what it is. What it is, is looking at what are the real problematic elements of Gloomhaven and how do we address that in this new edition uh, and it's not meant as a replacement, but it is meant as kind of like a pathway. This is the starter path for you wrapping your brain around Gloomhaven in the first place, whether it's the tutorialization of it, it's the far more limited scope, it's the map that is done on the spiral-bound notebooks that can be put together instead of having this bananas amount of uh, tiles there. Tiles for days. And, like, how do you get them to stack? Like, stacking tiles in Gloomhaven, OG, to get them just the right... Because, right, it, we're on really... Pre there's a very finite amount of space yeah. that they can fit in, and they have to fit there. And I know I can get them to fit there, but I always have to re-remember how I'm supposed to stack exactly. them to make it fit. <laughs> so so to me, uh, Jaws of the Lion, from the design approach to the usability of the maps versus the map tiles to the insert itself is a direct response to how to make the experience of playing Gloomhaven better. And I'm really hoping that from the insert, to the maps, to everything else, that they take the the success and recognition that Jaws of the Lion got and utilize that in the, the future Gloomhaven releases. So, you know what? If you got beef with me, come at me, world. Jaws of the Lion is my number three. 
Nice. Climbing up the list. Where are you at, Jennifer? All right. My number two, uh, as uh, it sneaks sneaks into the list, as you said, as you said <laughs> in the conversation, um, it might be cheating, um, but I don't care. It is Wingspan. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Wingspan does technically have an insert in it for the cards, which I will actually say is my least favorite part of Wingspan. As much as I yeah, love the trade, yeah. this, the fact that it can it can display the, the the bird cards, I think that part is excellent. But that that tray is actually um, to me a concession toward sleevers mm-hmm. um, and toward sleeving that creates so much pocket space and air. Um, that the cards moving around in there have a lot of potential to get damaged for thus that don't want to, with expansions, sleeve, I don't even know, I have 500 cards. It's ridiculous, and there's more coming every day. And there's more coming. I'm not sleeving my wingspan. I'm not sleeving my wingspan. Um, And I do sleeve cards. Just I will say that I do sleeve some of my games. I specifically sleeve the games that don't use good card stock in in them. And... (laughs) And I, I kind of like do it begrudgingly. I'm like, you're lucky this game is so good that I spent all this extra money on these sleeves. Yep, yep. Because <laughs> I'm a snob, of course, and I'm buying expensive sleeves. Yeah, um, <laughs> sleeve fluff, the the extra, you know, little slough on the side when it doesn't fit perfectly. Isn't that maddening to you? It's, in yes. It's in, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I really, I don't want to pull out sleeves and they're bent, so I totally get it. You don't want to like try to stuff it in there. And then that's why people trash inserts i i get it um so wingspan makes it onto my list because of box mapping mm-hmm. um box mapping in parks was actually inspired by a little partially partially inspired by that it was something that we had in mind and i was like this is a this is a good idea uh and you know like and and then they uh uh maddox when he was making the 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 wraparound did it box mapping on that's on the side of the box i think is so excellent because it Basically, Wingspan removes all inserts. There is this, you know, if we're going to call that an insert, I guess we can. I don't really consider the card uh, carrier an insert. It kind of is, but I don't really consider it that. I just consider it a a component for the game, like a a thing that you do. Um, It's an empty box, and that he... He's just organized the components and and teaching you, Stonemaier is teaching you how to uh, organize the components in a way to make the box super functional without any added extra fluff materials in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is excellent. And even with inserts, I think more like that's a, I think that's a valuable addition to boxes Mm -hmm. um, for, for this reason, like you're talking about Jaws of the Lion. Imagine a map on the side of Jaws of the Lion that is just a simple put away, put away map. I don't know because I, I this is I I don't know how like functionally relative relevant that is there. Jennifer, this is my second highest watched video you were talking about here. So <laughs> you tried to take away my livelihood. Is that what's happening I, here? I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> what I'm commenting on is how how fortunate for you that they didn't put a box map on <laughs> the side of it, um, so that we could be here to talk about it today. Um, I think you just need to hashtag Jaws of the Lion insert again in the in the title of this video, and then <laughs> yeah, exactly, get some clicks. That's that's the, what it's all about. But as far as wingspan, if we think about what is the intent of an insert, it's to protect your components, keep things organized, and make it easier for you to play. Then mm-hmm. having no insert is yet everything fit 
together perfectly in the way that an insert is supposed to serve in other games is perfect. That That's the best insert for that game. Right. Where it's, it becomes intuitive. And, and yes, like there's like, but there, so there's little, uh, pouches, right? Uh, I forget what, what, uh, Stonemeyer calls them. They're, they're containers. They're their specialty container. The that is just a, a tubs. Of, yeah. Yeah. That you pop open and it becomes two little dispensers for, uh, for materials. So these are things that just pop out and open up very easily onto the table and become places, good compartments for, um, tokens. They get used all the time. Uh, we love them. Um, so yes, maybe like those aren't, again, they could be considered inserts. I don't necessarily consider those inserts, but I, but because of those integrated and useful functional, again, we're circling back on, turns out that function, uh, <laughs> is like a high priority here. Um, that functionality mixed with just good box organization and spatial organization is, Perfectly eloquent. Now, has that box? Do I use that anymore because I have the expansions now? No, I've I've developed a new box mapping system. Um, <laughs> while I wait for, uh, like everybody else, very patiently for the big box, uh, and uh, I'm I'm very excited for that, and I will for sure use it. Um, so yes, that's changed uh, since since that box map. But as a like base game core game setup, I think it's I think it's excellent. Hashtag big box. We need to have Patrick Leader come on here and once again be held to the coals over That's the right. lack of <laughs> exactly over the lack of root big box announcements. Yes, making expansions, Patrick. Instead, make a big box. Exactly, we want a big box. I want to hold everything. I want it to be a locker size box. I want my play mats to be able to fit in there. there so, you go. for my number two, uh, speaking of Leader Games, at least is. Uh, tangentially related in that this is a Whirligig Games release. This is PAX Premier 2nd Edition, which I think is kind of the refinement of everything that I liked originally about inserts. This isn't an overly meticulous one, but it's similar to that experience with Small World and with Five Tribes that I was talking about earlier, where you open the box and just it, it looks like a feast as soon as you open it. it it's so well thought out and yet at the same time it's very minimalistic there's open areas for you to put the player tokens in little bags and then there's a little tub in order to fit some of the other tokens which are going to be put on the boards uh, what i love is there's a nice specifically allocated amount of space for the cloth map that you roll up and it just looks so beautiful in there and then it has those whatever they are clay tokens i don't, I don't know what the player pieces are made out of but those are in uh their own specific space that can be removed and put next to you on the table and used as you play which works beautifully now this I think is in part in relationship to the tokens themselves because the, the insert is serving in some ways as a showcase of the tokens. Mm -hmm. And so it feels very old school in a way, like it almost looks like a beautiful chess set that, you know, your grandparent might've had yes. or something you open and you're like, wow, this looks like a one of a kind thing. Of course it's a mass market game, but opening it up feels so wonderful 
you have enough freedom that you don't feel overly confined, especially if it's a game that you want to add more components to. I know a lot of people feel like the games that already look really lovely, they want to, you know, interject some love into it by further upgrading. Mm-hmm. And yet it stays organized, it stays clean, and it, it just feels like it's a through line with the act of playing the game that's so elegant and the the packaging and presentation itself so pax mirror second edition when i think of good inserts was one that first jumped to mind yeah that was that is on your list the game that was almost on my list it's the that's that's the the mine uh, your pandemic uh, is Pax Premier. Um, I love that comparison to uh, chess sets. That idea that, like, you open the like sometimes you just open the box and look into it, and you've got this display case for those right. tokens. I think they're like an MC or something, or like a type of resin. I should know this because we've been sampling them um, for something. No comments. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't remember what the designation is for what type of material that is right now. But um, the, they are so nice to look at and. And it totally shows off in a very simple way just by having a clear uh, overlay on top of it, um, those pieces while keeping them functionally safe. Um, and they're very square, you know, like they're not strange shapes so that like they could roll around or there's like a ton of form fitting that needs to happen. They're essentially just uh, uh, rectangles that, that um, you know, can, can uniformly stack together um, or sit together very neatly. So I, I totally appreciate that. And the, that plastic, because there's just a clear plastic overlay that goes on it, right? That slips right on top of it, uh, specifically of that section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that reminds me of, uh, of honorable mention, I'll just call it out like broadly, is the, the Vito Lacerda, Eagle Griffin, big box games. They do that a lot. And that's their like non-game uh, uh, trays, right? right like right. their non-game trays take on, on that. But those are like those super functional, just like, they're not clipping in or clap, you know, clicking in in any way, um, but they just slip on top of something and become displays for games with beautiful components in them. Nothing about this list is concise. Uh, we're we're spending an hour talking about <laughs> ten inserts here, so I don't feel bad about asking this quick tangent. We're not haters. We're not going to you know call out games uh, more than you already have. I mean, Sleeping Gods is in the corner crying, uh, but <laughs> I'm really sorry. Did you have an easier time coming up with really bad inserts, even inserts that look or seem like they should be really good inserts, but were actually bad or were just examples of garbage thought put into just throwing games into the box? You, you know, you know what I think the big takeaway for me was is as I was looking at my shelf and, and, and thinking is I was going through games that I love uh, and, and I was sort of being like, I would go and I'd be like, no, yep, yeah. no, no. And, and the, like, the, <laughs> it wasn't so much there that there was any like true vitriol against them more. So the sense of um, uh, disappointment or, or at the potential uh, mm. for, for games to do, to have done, to do just a little bit better. Right. And being like, wow, I, you know, like, yes, maybe in the big scheme of things, the, the insert, uh, the, that box experience, um, isn't playing this huge role in terms of my impact and enjoyment. Cause I do try to just keep games on my shelf that we really want to play and care about. Um, but more so that it was sort of this, like I was able to go through my shelf and know 
how I felt about those inserts. Like I, I, I had a definitive, like I knew which ones I have good experiences with when I open and which ones I don't. Um, so like whether it's subconscious or not, it does matter. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It, It makes a big impact. And like you said, that disappointment, like you're one of my favorite games. Why couldn't you have done better here? Right. Yep. All right. Well then let's take it to your number one. What do you got? Um, well, in, in that spirit of like, of knowing my number one is based on me having an instantly positive reaction to an insert. And that is Wasteland Express delivery service. Good pick. I believe that it was my first game with a game trays insert in it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I also believe that it's an early, if not the first that I don't know that definitively, but right, I, right, I right. do think it's an early game trays work, uh, uh, commission. Um, but no matter what, I I feel like everything to me has sort of built around and built off of, uh, of Wasteland Express. Like, um, I was thinking about and considering the new Tricurion, um, edition and, and I was like, I, I could do that, but I really feel like that's just based on Wasteland Express. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that what they iterate, they're just iterating on it. And, and maybe well, Tricurion is a better insert. I don't know. But um, if we go back to my number five, uh, which was Dice, Dice Throne, and it was all, it was about that personal experience. Wasteland on at a very early, again, 2017, way, way, way a long time ago, <laughs> um, was one making a ton of game fit into a really compact space. It's yes, it's still a fairly big box. Um, but two, making a game with universal components very easy to set up and very user friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the mod shop in it that is easy, super easy to pass around. Um, you have those personal components for your personal player. There's there's uh, spaces for cards, so the game setup is like tray out on the table. And then there's some box mapping where you just put the trays back in really easily and they nest really nicely together so that you can truly flip box over on purpose or on accident and everything is totally fine. Um, And that includes a ton of tiles, like going back there. Here we go. Gloomhaven, lots of tiles. You know what? Wasteland has a lot of tiles in it and I don't feel as bad about game setup (laughs) as I do with Gloomhaven. Right. you know, with Gloomhaven, it's not just the game setup. There, there's the knowledge that you're going to have to spend the time putting it away, and even that can be a deterrent. And so, yeah, the the things that you're talking about, that that feeling of just less stress involved as you're playing it, and uh, you mentioned the ability to flip it upside down. You know, how many inserts or just games in general uh, do you have on your shelf where you could flip them upside down and it was supposed to stay together, but suddenly it is all awry in there. You it, know, it was marketed to me that way. Yep. Yep. Well, that's my, mine. What is yours? My number one uh, is Eclipse Second Dawn, and there, there's or Second Dawn for the Galaxy. There's a, a lot of reasons for this, but the thing that I think I most wanted to highlight is how much of a functionality improvement it is 
over the original Eclipse experience, which Eclipse to me was an incredibly innovative game at the time that it came out, but it was also, it kind of felt bare bones from an artistic perspective, uh, from a component quality perspective. It felt like it was kind of, we have this really good idea and it involves a lot, but we really can't commit a lot mm-hmm. to it because of, you know, various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now nearly a decade after the original came out, this beautiful new edition is here. In- incredibly like meticulous and, and absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's another one of those things where it looks like a feast when you open it. And, the, the functionality that, that I'm talking about here is that just like you were highlighting with Wasteland Express and with uh, Dice Throne, you remove a, a tub, this which would be an insert for a whole other game on its own, but it's a personal insert in the case of Eclipse. You have this tub, which is color-coded to the player pieces, and on top it has... Uh, inlaid spaces for you to keep track of all of the various resources so if it gets bumped it's not going to go sliding everywhere in the way the original would have where you were keeping track of it on a cardboard mat uh but in this one you open up that tub and within it is organized uh components for everything that you personally are going to use to play the mm-hmm. game And then underneath all six of the different faction tubs that you remove is a beautifully sculpted insert to contain all of the shared components for the game. That's all the tiles that populate the center map. It has all of the NPC tiles. Uh, And further on, you have like upgrade tiles that are a big part of this game. A huge aspect of what makes Eclipse cool is that you're organically mm-hmm. upgrading all of your different technological capabilities that influence your uh, your ship's ability to do combat, their movement, but also your personal ability to like have economic growth and you know exploration is modified through all these different upgrades. And these tiles are you know they're a mess in the original but in this it's so well thought out and organized and presented and it could just be put on the table easily accessed and relatively for the size of game easily put back into them it is just completely transformed what is the absolute worst aspect of this game and made it this beautiful premium extremely well thought out experience and my instinct when I originally saw that was like, well, that's got to be like the super nice upgrade version. And no, it's the stock version. Every copy of Eclipse from now on will have this in it. And yes, you could argue that has probably increased the price. The retail price of the game is pretty yeah. high. But at the same time, if that's the game that you want to play, they give you so many good tools in order to play it. I, I was blown away. And to me, that that is the mm-hmm. pinnacle of that game trays experience of how do we have this elegance and functionality? Absolutely. When, yeah, when I saw that at the top of of your list, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. It's like a, it was like angelic almost to look at it on (laughs) on Kickstarter. Uh, I don't know if we can call game inserts like that, but if, if we could, that's totally it. Um, It's yeah, it, it, maybe it does make things more expensive, but uh, that, that criticism comes up a lot and at the end of the day 
this is about having a great time and it's about presenting the best experience. So for, you know, like th this is a push and pull, a tug and, and, and there's no, you know, hard and fast, uh, uh, right or wrong answer here, but pushing in favor of more expensive for something that's going to result in a game getting on the table more easily, more quickly, more frequently, um, is always going to be a plus in, in my book. Um, if I can make that, especially a game like Eclipse, uh, uh, that is so fun. Like, I, I don't have a bad experience memory playing Eclipse. I just don't. <laughs> Um, totally. the, but you're right. The only thing is like, okay, somebody needs to get here uh, for the original one to set this game up an hour before yep, <laughs> whenever yep. that's going to happen. Um, because uh, like, you just don't want people to have to deal with that part of the experience. So someone just like sacrifices themselves to the setup and is like, I'll do it. I'll be, I'll be the bigger person here <laughs> and do this setup. And if you didn't have those organizational tools, Every person who I know who owns Eclipse has gone out and got organizational tools for themselves. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the fact that it is custom made for this game and integrated into it in such a nice way that it all feels intuitive. Like you don't have that real complicated feeling of like, do I have to Tetris this back together? Where do, where do things go? Like I, I have right. some collector's editions of games like i was saying that partially inspired this list where i'm like it is a lot of work to put this game back together compared mm -hmm. to the base edition which maybe had no insert whatsoever but you know you had a little bit more freedom and flexibility but eclipse is, is to me the the pinnacle of how you can do that like extremely in some ways overwrought, uh, extremely produced uh, insert that is beautiful, but totally do it in service of function. And I'm all about it. So I think that is our list. This has been so much fun, Jen. Do you want to make any plugs for Keymaster Games? I mean, you have Parks is out and is a hit. You have Nightfall, which people can get, and it has its own beautiful insert. Anything else That's going right. on? Uh, more, more is on the way from, from Keymaster in, uh, 2021 that I'm really excited about. Uh, not right now, but we, we, I guess we will have just wrapped up, uh, the Caper Europe, um, Kickstarter when this, when this goes up and, and I'm super excited for, for, uh, Caper in, in 2021, uh, which will have more, uh, delicious, uh, delectable inserts <laughs> in, in Keymaster fashion. Um, and, and other stuff that we haven't even announced yet. So I'm, I'm excited, uh, for 2021. I'm excited for summer and spring and, uh, thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on the show and let us know audience. What are all the inserts that we miss and what are all the problems with the inserts that we listed? We do want to hear it. And if you have any ideas for other top tens, top fives, movies, whatever you want to hear about gaming related or otherwise, uh, that you'd like to see on this channel, that you'd like to see Jennifer come back onto the show <laughs> to talk about, uh, then let us know. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thank you.